listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. Playoff week continues, and we are back with our playoff specials here on Beyond the Diamond Podcast. Brian LaLima, Apollo Dez here with you. Follow us on Twitter at BLima. 790 and at Apollo Des one and of course at Apollo HOU and as we continue to bring on the best guests in the city we have none other than Mr. Wooston himself Josh Reddick the Georgia Bulldog uh you know Josh thanks for taking some time with us you know we uh we understand you got a, a twins birthday party this weekend so again man thanks for your time how is everything man how's the health how are the kids how's the family Everything's great. You know, obviously, um, with the way baseball worked out, didn't want to, didn't really go the way that I expected or wanted to, but um, gave me a lot of extra time with the family and the kids, which is fantastic. Um, the boys just turned two years old. We're having their birthday party on Saturday, so we're having some family and friends in town. So that'll always be either fun or hectic. You never know what you're going to get when you have family in town. So y'all think of me this weekend. Um, but my wife and I are running around like crazy trying to get the house ready and everything set up. But um, Everything's great. We just got back from Hawaii, so just kind of running around with our heads cut off a little bit, but wouldn't have it any other way. On those big waves, you got to love it. Josh, obviously, the city of Houston, you were with us for so long in this golden age, and they love you, We, you know, and everything about that. But as a baseball fan and as a steam head, I got to start off with 10 years of service, obviously, is a huge, huge thing in the league. You hit that. It's an incredible milestone. A lot of people – don't even get the opportunity to hear their name drafted and then go through the grind, but then to make the show and be there for that long and your success. One, congratulations on that. But two, kind of walk us through the average fan that's, you know, listening in right now, because I don't think they understand and and see that how big of a milestone that is for you guys. Right. And I appreciate it. First off, thank you. Um, It is, it's very special, very honored, very humbling experience to uh, be in such a small percentage of people who have been able to accomplish that. Um, but yeah, you know, I think I've talked to a lot of guys about it, you know, outside of looking for a world series win in your career, I, you know, I think that's what's most, mostly strived for in this game, because, you know, that is our retirement. That's our retirement fund. It's our 401k. And, you know, once you get to that 10 years of service, you're set for life to get that pension. And I think that's what everybody shoots for in life, regardless of what your job is. So right. yes, we may make millions of dollars at some point in our life and, um, but the one thing that we've learned in this world is everybody usually tends to live above their means and that doesn't change for us. You know, we buy these expensive cars, these expensive houses, expensive jewelry for some people. So um, having that to fall back on when, you know, I think you're, I think it's 62 when you can pull it out, pull it out fully. So it's, uh, it's just something that we can have as a crush to lean on later in life. And then you get to have that magical little gold car that gets you in any ballpark for free plus one. So that's always a fun thing to get at eight and a half years. But when you get to that 10 years of service, I think that kind of helps you out in regards to not win. If you can't win a World Series championship, then I think that's the second best thing you can get as a big leaguer. Amen. So when, when you come out of a, a COVID season and with the difficulties with that, not you know no fans, um, you're having to, to get daily checks and things like that. And then you come into a, a, a normal season, so to speak. For you, it, it, it really wasn't normal. What was the mindset coming into 2021? I mean, coming out of that offseason, were you still continuing to work out every day? Obviously, you had aspirations yep. to continue to play. It just didn't happen until later on in the season. Then you get picked up by 
uh, the Diamondbacks. What was the mindset? I mean, for for a guy that spent so many years in the big leagues, coming in without certainty if if you were going to play in 2021. Uh, I'll be honest with you, straight out of the gate, it pissed me the heck off that I couldn't get a job because I know I know deep down that I am better than probably over half of the outfielders that had that had starting jobs this year. For sure. And and that's what's frustrating about the way the baseball is going. And and it may sound personal and selfish to a lot of people who may not understand what really goes on in, in the baseball world as opposed to guys signing for millions of dollars and just playing a game. It's not like that. You see this non-competitive unbalance, I'm going to call it, because there are so many teams that aren't trying to compete in, in, in the big leagues, and it, and it pisses you off. Yeah. For, for a guy like myself who is striving for winning, I've won most of my career. I've been very lucky for that. And that's one thing that I take pride on is I've been on some teams that win, and I feel like teams could have used a guy like me, maybe not an everyday outfielder, but you know, I could have played – three days a week and, and been a great clubhouse presence. I thought, and just bringing my track record of winning, I thought should have brought me a decent job and it doesn't anymore. And that's what sucks about baseball now is it's going such that way to where you have what 10 to 12 teams competing and your other 18 are just getting their young guys a shot, which and, and on the flip side, I can appreciate too, because I was a young guy once. I want guys to have that opportunity, but at the same time, at the end of the day, it's about me and me getting a job and, 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 you know, and supporting my family and wanting to play the game of baseball that I love so much. And they really did. It really pissed me off that I couldn't land a job for so long. And like I said, I know deep down that I am better than a lot of guys that were, that were out there this year. And I think that um, just dug a little bit deeper into my, uh, my pride. For sure. Josh, when, when you talk about, you know, the young guys and the shift to baseball, I think you came up, and we'll dive into the JUCO bandit life and all that. But I do have a question. You kind of came up in this in the span of this old age of baseball into the new age, right? You, your your career and the analytics and all these numbers being thrown. As a hitter, we all obviously played college ball. We didn't never got to the show or drafted. But I was a guy that loved getting data, but not like the day of. I like getting a little bit. Okay, I know these tendencies of doing that. With the new shift in age, how did you adjust? Were you a guy that loved this data, loved all this stuff, or just, hey, I know my approach, I'm doing it, and, and I'm rocking and rolling from there? I, I hate all the analytics in baseball. Thank you. Um, Thank you. It. Finally. <laughs> Finally, um, somebody that agrees with me. The only kind of stuff I will use pretty much is um, what I've used all the time, and that's video. I just I use video, and a lot of guys can watch, sit there and watch videos for two hours a day Whereas for me, I'll go in every day and I'll watch the starter, but I won't watch like what a lot of guys watch. You're like, oh, his strikeout pitch. What is he getting guys to swing and miss on? Well, my belief is, first of all, we're going to start to see how he's done against Josh Reddick in his career. And then we're going to watch how I got pitched that way. And then we're going to watch this season stats. So if I wanted to watch, say, let's go, for instance, Jacob DeGrom the first one that comes to mind. I know he's pretty basic because he's overdominant. Let's use a different guy. Um, Okay, John Gray from the Rockies. Facing John Gray, I come in, I'm going to face him, I'm going to watch video of me against him in my career, and then I'm going to watch his 2021 starts against lefties only. And it's usually just watching what he's given up hard hit or what he's given up four hits from lefties that year, and that's what I'll watch. I'll watch basically dig me videos of other guys doing well off of him, and that's how I want to go because that's what I want to see where he hangs his slider or where does he leave his change up. 
And looking at a piece of paper may tell me that, but it's not going to get me the feel of how the ball breaks. And yes, you know, we have all this horizontal, very vertical drive, blah, 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 spin rate. <laughs> Just tell me it. where he's th- Tell me what he's throwing most of the time and where he's throwing. That's Let's what, go that's up and all hunt. we need. Let's that's go exactly up and hunt. Need. I'm, I'm looking for a fastball to get my damn foot down and I'm looking to hit the shadow. Hell Dude, yeah. Thank you. Look, bro, I look, I, this has made my year. <laughs> fuck all, fuck everything else. Josh Reddick and I have the same opinion on analytics and stats. I'm a guy that I, I, man, I just can't, I can't talk about it enough how much I hate analytics and I get it. I get it how it's a part of the game these days, but man, like you either have it or you don't, you know, go up there and hunt a pitch or look for everybody's different. Everybody's different. Right. But for me, I'm on the same page, man. And I catch, I mean, I catch so much shit from guys because (laughs) They call me, you know, they say that I love quality at bats, right? So I coach a 12U team for the Banditos out of Tom Ball. Um, and I tell my kids, you know, when I'm when I'm coaching, just say, you don't have to get a hit, just go up there and give me a quality at bat. And that's that's the most basic thing that I can tell these 12-year-old kids. And then guys in our Apollo, in our Apollo group chat just catch I just catch so much shit because they're like, Oh, oh, Brian doesn't like OBP or or OPS (laughs) or like they come out, what's the crazy one? It's uh X XBA or X war and all oh, this. I, and I'm like, I couldn't I couldn't even tell you what they all mean. Yeah, I know. I'm <laughs> when I'm you right start adding you. math into it, it's just like, look, I was I was one for three. That's that's 33, you know, that three yeah, That's, three, that's a Hall of Fame day. That's a Hall of Damn Fame right. day. Yeah, see, that's that's what I that's another thing that I preach to my kids. Like you can't get for mad our, because you, you can't for, get mad for all our oh, viewers. There oh, we I go. Love that. That's beautiful right there. I love an October day. Love an right. October day in Houston. That's it. Yep. But uh, you know, to go back to 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 go back to what you were talking about, Josh, when you couldn't find a job and, and you were frustrated with yourself, at any point in the beginning of the season, because I, I myself was very, very, very critical of the Astros outfield. And you don't have to tell us, you know, but you know, feel free. At any point did they contact you? Did you have any any talks with maybe getting a spring training invite or uh, a, a you know a a start in the minor leagues and hey work your way back up for your locker room presence. Uh, the outfield is kind of I wouldn't say in shambles, right? You have you had Michael Brantley, you had Kyle Tucker, but the center field position was was not good for a while. Let's just put it that way. Right. No, no, there was actually zero talk. Whenever we uh, we addressed that with them after the season ended, um, James Clegg told him right out of the shoot that just, there was no reunion there going to be. So. Um, is what it is, you know, at the end of the day, it's a business and I understand how stuff works. And, you know, these guys have a fantastic player already now in Kyle Tucker. And I think that he's just going to want to get better as, as he gets older. And I, I hope that he becomes a guy that, you know, kind of becomes a franchise player and wins an MVP. And in, in, in my personal opinion, I think he's got the skills to do it. Um, I really hope he does. And if I'm on a personal level saying I got followed up by an MVP, then so be it. But I, I know that Kyle is a very good, very good player. He's a good kid. He got a right head on his shoulders, but there was um, no, there wasn't really any, any kind of talks. And it was funny because the only team that I kept in contact with that would have even given me um, any kind of a spring training invite would have were the, uh, the Yankees and um, told them no immediately. Yeah. Good. Good. <laughs> and, um, and the Cardinals, the Cardinals, the Cardinals wouldn't give me the invite because they were running out there. Um, they had a young outfielder who was under the rule five thing or whatever. And they wanted to see what they had in him because they've had Luke Voigt who they lost to the rule five. They lost um, Randy Rosarina to the rule five. 
Yeah. yeah, I want to say there. I want to say there was one more there, but they just uh, they didn't want to commit because they they well, the, what they told me was they knew that uh, Mike is it Schilt. I think his name is Schilt, the manager. Mm-hmm. is a yeah. is a huge veteran guy and they knew if they brought me in he would pick me which was like cool but they said no because they wanted to give this kid a shot and i think he ended up being hurt and not having a good year and then i think um they just kind of ran with it and they weren't really trying to compete from what they told my agent they were just like oh we're too far out of it and now look at them they're going to the wild card game so um good for them happy for them i know that it's um they're a good ball club a lot of good guys over there i know goldschmidt's a good guy and he and i actually talked and he actually when I was first in Arizona, he came up to me when I got to first base. He goes, man, we'd love to have you over here in right field. And I said, well, good, because I'd love to be over there with you guys. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. But uh, but yeah. it just it just didn't work out. But, you know, the one thing that kind of kept me going this year is I got kind of a, um, a player assessment from inside scouts and sources that they told my agency that I was rated as a below average outfielder. So I took that personally, and yeah, I'll quote Michael Jordan on that on, on his E60. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I took it personally and I, I actually have my own weight room here at, at my house. So I wrote it all over the wall. I wrote it all over my mirror that said, he said, below average and not good. So I wrote it in big letters to help motivate myself and had all Hell these kind yeah. of things to yeah. um, light a fire under my ass, man. But you know what? It, it's how it is. I've been under the radar player my whole life, all the way back to, um, you know, middle school and high school baseball. So yeah, um, let's, those, uh, for- you got drafted Juco kid, 17th round. Uh, Obviously, the JUCO life. I mean, we talked about it with with Tyler Ivy. We talked about Grind. it with some other guests. Hey, Grind. it's yeah. it's war. Every strength and conditioning coach thinks they're like a Navy SEAL, and then like they put it on <laughs> the team in the steroids. Winnie and hey, Winnie and Decca is just flying around JUCO. I'm telling you, it's it wild that these guys think they're SEAL Team oh, Six. Man. I'm like, dude, I just want to hit in the cages. I'm not treading water with a cinder block. So. What's some stories about that life? Oh man, same same scenario. Um, I got I got a lot of JUCO stories I can tell you, man. Um, so I think one of our worst—I'll tell you—I'm probably my worst day in college. We um, we're playing this just all around crappy team that can't shouldn't have any business with us, with us on the field because we we were the best team in our conference. Blah blah blah. Like, and we get our asses kicked, like two out of three for the weekend series. After the game Sunday. And I remember this, I'm in, I'm small town, Georgia. So like still surrounded by the woods of this Juco university, there's a train track right next to the baseball field. And then our football stadium is probably about a mile away. And so we get our ass kicked. We run like 10 poles right after the game and coach hops on his little John Deere that he, uh, our head coach on his John Deere and looks at our strength coach and goes, coach, they've got, 10 minutes to meet you at the football field. And if they aren't there, they're fucking cut. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, damn. Okay. I knew deep down that wasn't going to happen. Yeah. Right, right. And I'm going to be a little conceited and cocky because I knew I was hey, the best player on the team. Yeah, yeah, I was the best player on the team. So bottom line is, you know, like, okay, whatever. But I still sprinted my ass off. Cut through the woods, got tore up through all kinds of thorn bushes sprinting over there we're waiting on him to get there the gate's locked we can't even get in street coach looks at you think i give a shit boy start climbing <laughs> <laughs> like a 12 foot fence I'm like, so then we did we went over there to the football stadium did 100 yard sprints did oh, bear crawls crab crawls 
and then all kinds of other sprint work and then had yeah. to beat him back to the God, baseball field before man. we could go shower. Jeez. Jesus That's the life. Hey, and, and then you got to play the next day for, you know, a double hitter. And then, and then you got to play Tuesday after, and then after a Monday, yeah. grind your ass off practice because you know you're running more and you're doing 800 more things to get your punishment. So I asked, I, I, we talked to, like, like Des said, we talked to Tyler Ivey when he was playing Juco and uh, every Juco teammate that I've had, they swear up and down. If their if their Juco would have been four years, they would have stayed there for all four years. Obviously you got drafted after your first year in, in yeah. junior college going, just looking back. If, if <clears throat> let's say the draft wasn't available, would you have stayed all four <clears throat> years? I would have went for my two years. Yes. Okay, so, so two I, years. So then... I, I would have went for the full two years. I actually, um, funny story, I, I actually tried to go back after I got my signing bonus from the Red Sox. Um, I got in and I went, when I signed, I went down to Fort Myers, Florida for two weeks. But I signed an 07 contract in August of 06, so I couldn't play, which I, which I, which I understood. I could only work out because my physical took like a week to get through. So I literally could just work out in the gym and then I had to sit around and watch a four-hour baseball game in the Florida sun Jeez. at one o'clock. Miserable, hating yeah. life, yeah. miserable. So, yeah, so I actually looked into um, – and obviously had spent most of my signing bonus already. Yeah. Um, so I looked into a family member who was pretty well off. I said, hey, look, if I can get this loan from you, I'll pay you back easily next year when I get redrafted, blah, blah, blah. Just because I was, I would rather have more. I was gonna have way more fun in JUCO than I was in pro ball. And um, my dad got when I told my dad that he said, "F no, you change made this choice. You're gonna deal with it." Okay, Dad. Okay, uh, that's, it, so, so, that's it. Yeah, I got it. So I went, <laughs> went to, went to spring training the next next year, and the rest is history. So, what, um, what's, what's the story uh, you told us a little bit off air about Georgia? University of Georgia. Yeah, so I'll, I'll tell you the full length of the whole story from all the way back to middle school. So seventh and eighth grade, I'm trying out. I think I went to third base both years because I was a shortstop third baseman. Not, not, not really the point. So I get cut both years from middle school. Don't make the team. Um, get to my get to high school. So ninth grade, made, ju- made the junior varsity, didn't play. Tenth grade, made you JV again with the new new coach of the head, whole program. And every year they had meetings with us after, to make cuts, and they told us what our role was going to be and blah, blah, blah. So I played the JV season, and then I get called up to the varsity team. Well, the coach is like, well, we're going to call you up. And we want you to travel, but you're not going to play, so we're not going to give you a jersey. <laughs> I said, well, you can kiss my ass, and I'll go play recreational baseball. Yeah. And I turned in my jersey, and I guess he didn't appreciate that, and um, I didn't go, and so that was that. <laughs> and he got fired that off season for that summer. And then the coach that came in my junior year is probably one of my top three influences in my life in the game, and he's still my personal hitting guy to this day. It's amazing. And he comes in, and I'm playing. I'm a shortstop, and he's watching me play summer ball for my dad's team. We're playing a pretty good team with a couple of my high school teammates on it. And I'm playing first. He watches me for two innings. He tells me this. He, this is his words, not mine. He said, I watched you play the infield for two innings and thought, yeah, you'd be a fantastic shortstop for me. But you're going to right field. 
I went right field. Right field's where you put the bad players, isn't it? You know, like yeah. this is high school baseball. Like in South Georgia, like we've got some really good pitching that don't give up a whole lot of hits. I'm like, all right, whatever. He's like, so your number one, our number one's going to pitch, and you're going to play center, and then our number two is going to start, and then you're going to play right. And I was our, I was our number three and closer. So, whatever. I hated the outfield. I still hate it this day. It's boring as hell. <laughs> um, there's nobody to talk to. I was, I'm that, a chatty yeah. guy, which most people know. I was a right fielder um, in college, so and I feel away, that. I feel that. Yeah. You're away from the fans, and you're away from the fans in the infield. You know, if you're a shortstop or second, you ain't got nobody heckling your ass. Well, in right field, every stadium you're at, they're right there, and you're going to hear pretty much everything. So, yeah, or they'll throw um, beers on you. Either that they will do. They will throw yeah. beers at you in uh, in Chicago and New York. Um, but that's 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 a different story, but. Yeah, so I thought it was boring, and I didn't really like him for it. But you know what? He goes, you're my right fielder, and you're my number two hitter. Bottom line. All right, so he comes in, and I do my thing, and I win, like, regional player of the year, junior and senior year. The college I go to doesn't even want me yet. So I'm looking at junior colleges, like, looking at two or three of them <clears throat> that are semi-interested, but they're not convinced that I'm not a good enough player. Mind you, I'm hitting 480. Jesus Christ! Like 15, 16 games into, I hit four, I hit four eighty two for the whole season. So I don't know what the hell they were waiting on. Um, so I went and do that. We go to the final four both years, get beat by the state championships. We won't even get into those stories because they're heartbreaks. Um, if you've never been walked off on a homer on your own field in high school, it's pretty pretty shitty. We lost, Um, we lost to our district rival in the state semis to go to to to, yeah. That's it's I I know how it feels. That's bad. I know how it feels. Yeah, that that, that, that's school? a tough one. Yeah, Klein High School beat us. Klein, like, oh, yeah, God, dude. Rough. So, so Dez and I went yeah. to rival high schools. Yeah. So, yeah. So, oh, I went shit. to spring high school. Even he better. went to – Yeah. yeah so that's why to, our energy is yeah. so good because we hate each other. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> yeah, oh, pretty much. Perfect. Good chemistry that's on that's, air, but we, we just don't like each other. Hey, that's, that's, <laughs> that's how me and one of my best friends back home are. Georgia fan, he's a Florida fan, so it works oh, out great. Oh, shit. Oh, perfect. So, yeah, so I go to so I go to the visit at the college I end up going to. And I do really well. He's like, yeah, you know, there's just not a there's just not a full scholarship here for you right now. I'm like, okay. For a kid, that, was, to, for a kid that hit 480? Yep. So I go to um I go to another I go to another JUCO and I show out there, do really good. And the guy and the coach comes up to me post workout and goes, I have a full scholarship ready for you right now. I'm like, okay. I said, well, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna wait until my baseball season's over in high school. Cause I want to focus on the playoffs. I don't want to have any kind of stuff surrounding blah, blah, blah. And so it comes around, we get in the state playoffs and I go off again, still do my thing. And so the, the other guy that offered me the full scholarship comes back and says, Hey, you know, we really kind of were hoping to get a word. And so I called the other college. I said, look, I'm about to sign with so-and-so what's your, what's your play. And he says, I will call you tomorrow. And he called me the next day and I had a full scholarship. Oh shit. <laughs> go in do all that and then you know i get do really good in college my from obviously only in my freshman year i hit 461 was the first team all-american center fielder um obviously all tourney team all conference player blah 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 basically every award you can win without winning the junior college national championship um get drafted pissed off that day because i was told by three different teams i'd be top 10 so, yeah, so the office of Red Sox drafted me 17th round. I'm mad. Get a $60,000 offer 
turned that down immediately because I was that was the last year of the draft and follow. Mm -hmm. For those that don't know that, that was yep. draft and you could still sign before the after the signing date, blah, blah, blah. And then the same team had control of you for the whole year. Um, so I go play in the wooden bat league in the summer, start hitting really some, some home runs, which I hadn't developed, which I only had five homers in high school, mind you. So no power until I got to that summer league, started hitting homers. Red Sox come up, start watching me. I play against Team USA, and we're facing Ross Detweiler, who yeah. was lights out back then. And nothing against him now because I love Ross. He and I go way back from that game. But we're playing guys like he started, Sean Doolittle's at first, Jamal Weeks is at second. Jeez. Matt Laporta's catching. Um, like just stud, like so nine dudes, studs. Guys, guys, dudes. That, guys that had service time. Yeah. yeah. Like Julio Borbones in the outfield, like disgusting guys. Um, we lose 14 to one. We have five hits. I have three of them and I go deep off Detweiler. And that so is... like every team, every team had a scout there to watch team USA, obviously. And then my future agent, who's my agent now was there watching the game. And he goes, he comes to me after the game. He goes, Josh, you're about to get a real offer. You opened up a lot of eyes. I was like, all right. And so my scout, my area scout comes up to me and goes, Hey, be ready. The Red Sox are going to offer you something next week. I guarantee it. I go, why do you say that? He goes, because as soon as you hit the home run, every team started writing notes down. That is sick. Okay. Sure enough, a week later, I get a $140,000 offer. And I told him I wouldn't take any less than $150. And then they came back and said, we can't do $150. And so I said, all right, give me $140. And this is like three days before college started, too. That was the best part. Um, I was getting ready to go back to school. But what nobody knew not even my parents was I was going back to college on academic probation. Oh no, no. <laughs> so if the, yeah. So if the Red Sox would have found that out, they'd have told me to have fun at school. Yeah. So that, that was, that was a good story. So then you come oh, around man. and um, I know I'm talking a lot. This is a very long story. I'm sorry. No, it's all um, good. So get the pro ball, not really thought of because there was like four guys that were drafted and signed a whole lot of money ahead of me. I start an extended spring training, and then I go to low A and work my way up, blah, blah, blah. But um, before we get to the draft, I got to rewind back to my, my Georgia Bulldog reference. That was the main focus of the story, and I got sidetracked. Um, so before drafting, I was doing four-year visits, and I got in contact with the Georgia Bulldogs. And I would love to obviously try to get my foot in that door after JUCO of drafting didn't get worked out. And, so, okay, we went up there for a workout, killed it, did some really good VP, great throws. Georgia coach David Perno, I will never forget his name, comes up to me to my face. He's an 19-year-old kid, and he just goes, you're just not good enough for this team. Oh, my God. What? Oh. Straight to your face. Okay. Okay, straight to my face. Like, straight face, nothing, no emotion. I'm like, all right, whatever. And this is so, your childhood – team right this year oh yeah at I mean, this not, point, not just that like football i'm more football dedicated than i am baseball there like it wasn't a childhood dream to play baseball there um so i go back doing this is before i got all my my before the season started so this is like before i got all my stuff well he starts calling me in the summer when i'm playing in this wooden bat league and he starts asking me about coming back and i'm like that's kind of weird but i'll play with you i'll play along with you blah 
So the day I commit to the $140,000, he has, he calls me that night and he does, he doesn't know I've, I've committed verbally to signing. He goes, Hey, Josh, I'm just checking in with you. I was like, Oh yeah, coach, how you doing, man? You know, had a great weekend, blah, blah. He's like, you get any more thought to it? I was like, yeah, you know, I've thought and I've pretty much come up to a decision. I said, I'm too good to play for your team. You can kiss my ass. I'm going to <laughs> Oh, shit. Hell I bet yeah. that felt so damn good. Yeah. And then getting it that, that and signing then, bonus. And, and, and I, it was great because I think in 2012, when we were in the playoffs, we were getting ready to play the Tigers. I did Jim Roma's burning. Yeah. And oh, I, told that exact yeah. I told that exact story. And my summer coach from that senior year, was an assistant coach at Georgia and they heard it and called my agent. <clears throat> my agent called me and goes, Hey, I just want to let you know that so-and-so called. And he told us word for word that we can't be having you going on public and national radio <laughs> shows like that and talking about the Georgia Bulldog program. I go, you think I give a shit? He goes, that's exactly what I told him. He goes, I told him, do you think Josh Reddick gives two fucks what you guys think? <laughs> That's freaking awesome! And now that head coach is coach, and now that coach is coaching high school football. So, oh, oh, yeah. wow! He had a great eye yeah. for talent, apparently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kid, yeah, well, kid hitting, kid hitting four fifty. You yeah. know, is not good enough to play at the D one yeah. level. Yeah, that's. I, I always told, I always told guys, and I say this with love because I love Gordon Beckham. He and I got along great, great ball player. And I said, guys, if I didn't went to Georgia, nobody would have knew who Gordon Beckham was. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, that's, what's that, it? that's that long story. That's yeah. awesome. That's Holy powerful. Shit, that's great. Yeah. What is uh? What's it like playing at Minute Maid Park in October? I mean, Ooh. obviously we've been in the stands. It's electric. Obviously, you came in right at the golden age. You get that contract. Um, actually, let's let's start with there first. You sign with the Astros. It's right before we make this run. You know, obviously a title, two pennants, all these division titles. Did you know going in that that's kind of where they were they were headed, the Astros, or? Absolutely. Yeah, no. From watching – being in the AL West, I was in the AL West for nine years, so watching teams transition, you kind of get that feeling of what's going to happen. And obviously having all those high draft picks helps. So yeah. you got a chance to draft a lot of really good players, and they did. I think they did a fantastic job of drafting and developing their guys. Um, but, yeah, I, I knew coming in that this was a, this was a team that – was going to be good and I didn't know that they were going to be making the moves that they necessarily did but they told me right on the shoot that hey we're going to offer you we actually came I think they offered me three 13 mil a year and other teams were at uh, 12 a year I was like okay well that's easy because they're in Houston they're in Texas so there's tax saving right there mm-hmm. yeah um but I went back at my counter I said hey can you guys give me a fourth year because I knew deep down that that fourth year was going to give me my 10 years and I wanted that security. Right. I said, and I try, and I try to be greedy, like all of us are. And I said, can you give me four and sixty, kind of back and back, you know, load it, back load the, the back end. And they said, no, but we'll give you, we'll give you four and fifty-two. And I said, perfect, I'll take it. <laughs> um, but but I, I knew coming in that as soon as I signed, they told me that they were trading for Brian McCann. So I, I, I right there was immediately in love with that i'm a braves fan way deep down there being from the south mm-hmm. um so i love that signing i was a fan of brian i watched brian play in college so i thought that was cool as hell 
Um, playing against these guys, you know, I've been playing against Altuve for <clears throat> at that point four years, and Springer and Correa and all those guys a better part of a couple of years. So getting to see these guys play on the other side, knowing how good they were there, I knew that it was just going to be another wake up call playing with them. And I think that was the biggest thing for me was realizing, man, Jose Altuve is a really good baseball player playing against him. Jose Altuve is a Hall of Famer playing with them. And so I think I think that helped me learn and realize that these guys were, were special and knowing that this could be a team that I could compete because I, you know, being on the team that I was on, you know, the Oakland A's were fire sailing that offseason. So I knew mm-hmm. we were going to be at a struggle point for a few years until those prospects got turned around. And, you know, they were one of the teams that offered me a contract, which, you know, I obviously respect and really wanted to stay there. And fans may not want to hear that, but, you know, that was a place where I developed a home and a comfort. That's really one of the two things. Career, because you don't get that a whole lot. And right. then the other two teams offered weren't, weren't, weren't going to be competing either. So, I didn't, and like I said, I wanted to, I want to win regardless of where I'm at and how old I am. And this was the best place for it. And obviously, we were a really good team, but I think we became that over-the-top championship team when we acquired JV. For sure. What was what was that news? Obviously, it was at the last minute. As fans, we you know we get that the tweet. You know, it's it's at the buzzer. Are you are you guys in the loop? Are you like us, where it's just like, oh yeah, oh shit, we got JV. Oh yeah, we were we were group texting the whole time. The team had a group text going the whole night, just fired up. You know, rumors. Oh, we're getting him. We're getting him. Hell yeah. You know, great, great, great. Let's win it all. And then they say, no, we didn't get him. It's too late. Well, everybody's like, well, shit. <laughs> Let's go win it, boys. We still got to yeah. win this. Still got a job to do. And then two minutes later, we're like, we got it. <laughs> oh, shit. So it was a little bit of a roller coaster. We were all stoked. Uh, you know, I think we were all stoked outside of one individual. But I'm not even going to mention that name on yeah. this podcast or ruin you guys, your guys' day. Um, and we all know who it is. Yeah. But we won't say his name. Yeah. Um, I think he was probably the only one. But everybody else was stoked because we knew what we were getting. We had, you know, a guy and – who had been there before, who had been an MVP and Cy Young Award winner, and now we had him and Kai Cool and Lance and Charlie. We just had a great rotation. We knew that was good. that could be a team that could get us through it. That's so then what, what, what was it like when you guys got the news that Garrett Cole was coming aboard? You know, it was kind of weird because our group chat wasn't as exploding, I think, that day. I mean, we were obviously excited, very excited. because We knew we were getting – but I don't think that we even knew – the Garrett Cole we were getting because, you know, Garrett Cole wasn't who he is now. Right. When we first got him, he had to get his work in, but we were obviously very excited because we got him in the off season. Right. 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 Yeah. It was, I think it was like a so, January, January, or yeah, February so, acquisition. Yeah. So we were all, we were all kind of out of, out of semi out of our loop with, with chatting with each other like that. But once we got it, I think we all became pretty excited. Obviously we knew what we were getting and, and with him coming over and working with, with Strami, I think we all knew what the potential there was going to be. Um, especially with that rotation, it just makes you makes you get a little bit more frustrated when you don't when you don't get over that loot that that little that little speed bump we didn't get over in nineteen because I think we all know that we should have won that. Yeah, yeah, eighteen. So eighteen and nineteen, um, and then early twenty twenty, I was with Sports Talk seven ninety. I got laid off because of COVID, so I was I didn't get to go to games like Des and be just a fan. I was covering the games, and yeah, it's fun when you're the drunk guy in the in the yes, stands doing content. I, you know, do. Amen. That you know, doing that aspect of it, just being a fan, is is kind of what I missed. You know, being a, a part of the sports media world. But uh, in 2018, man, 
covering those games and seeing what the Red Sox had in that ALCS, obviously that there was that bullshit call on the Altuve home run in, in right field by Joe West. Yep. Um, and it just seemed like every bounce went towards the Red Sox. I mean, there was a ball. I can't remember who hit it, but there was a ball off the green monster. It was when JBJ, you guys, who was Mickey Mantle that series. Yeah. It, it, like, I mean, balls were, were taken, uh, you know, taking weird bounces off of the green monster going towards the Red yep. Sox. Everything just went right for that team in, in 18. And then you fast forward to and that's 29. What it takes. Yeah. And that's, and that's what, what, what uh, Des and I talked about uh, have talked about on our podcast here on beyond the diamond is just what team is going to hit their stride going into October. Will one of the wild yep. card teams catch fire, just like we're seeing with the, with the Cardinals against the Dodgers tonight. Um, and yep. can they continue that momentum? And then it's going to be, there are going to be a, a few plays in each game that are going to win you ball games and really get you into the World Series, like we saw last night. Absolutely. Aaron Judge gets gunned down at the plate on a double off the wall by uh, Giancarlo Stanton. Like that turned the momentum back towards the Red yep. Sox. So exactly, 2019 man was something different. I, I don't. Again, there was that Nationals team that caught fire in September. They win the wild yep. card. Everything goes right for them. And then obviously, you know. You know, there's some things that happen in the World Series. You know, Grinky pitches his ass off, gets taken out. Will Harris makes a damn good pitch. Howie Kendrick, you know, closes his eyes on a slider down and away, hits it off the foul pole. I, I mean, just a, I guess, a missed catcher, a missed catcher's interference call. Yeah, there's yeah. that as well. That yeah, cost just this a run. Yeah, just these little things. The strikeout that, on Soto. I mean, Grinky dice or was yeah. it was it it was Soto that he he punched out after the. Before, after the Rendon home run that they never called, yeah, led to a walk because yeah. that was walk. the walk. Yeah, it was the walk. Walking. Yeah, yes, and that's what. Yeah, I mean, just like these little little moments in each game that turn momentum. And Des and I are big believers in in momentum in baseball. So, I, I guess to segue into our playoff talk, when you look at this Astros team, what do you think they have that can get them to the World Series, and what do you think will keep them for the World Series? So, one positive, one negative, if if you will. From, from your eyes? Uh, I think the positives are, you know, they've got the experience of the playoffs. They've been in the big games. We've been in, they've been in, you know, most, some have been in two game sevens of World Series. A lot of, you know, a couple of them have been in some elimination games that give you that feed to get back and that hunger to, to grind it back out. But, um, you know, they're a championship team. They've got everything they need to, to get in there and, and win, I think, with the given um teams that have been in it um yeah so I, I think they're I think the Strohs are a heavy favorite they've got the championship team they need to win it all and you know, they've got everything top to bottom you know maybe a few rookies that might be a little bit of a question mark for them um you know but Luis Garcia has done a fantastic job pitching for them this year um and I know that their bullpen can get shaky at times so if they can keep their bullpen together I think that was the rough patch they hit not too long ago when they uh, were struggling is their offense and their deep their pitching weren't doing very well but I think once their pitching and the bullpen stays online, I think the offense is going to carry them as far as they need to go. Do you think this home field advantage? And we had we had Ben Verlander on from Fox Sports, and we were talking about this last year. The White Sox, you know, they they fought Oakland. They were the scrappy young team. They had that core kind of, and now they have they're making this push. And obviously, all the pundits have their biased agendas against the Astros, so they're kind of kind of angling where the White Sox are going to beat the Astros. But like you said, this this team, this lineup has so many at-bats in October that is you have to account for that. And now this crowd. I mean, because last year there was no crowd in the playoffs. Yep. This, I think that's a big X factor yep. no one's talking about because there's going to be a oh-shit moment, I think, for a lot of these young White Sox players when they come tomorrow night to the stadium or afternoon because we have a 3 o'clock game. 
But do you think the crowd and home field advantage has a X factor, so to say, to it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, anytime you can, you can have any slight advantage in this game is going to help you out. Um, you know, it's probably one of our biggest things last year, you know, playing with no fans and not being able to experience that because obviously that's one thing that we had over Tampa was a fan base and, you know, they just can't sell out a game regardless of what game it is. And it sucks for those guys as players to not be able to, to experience a, a sold out crowd, you know, at least more than twice a year. So it's, it's definitely something that I think could play a big factor when you get guys that haven't been there that may be trying to do too much and want to hit that big home run and, you know, have that all they can hear is the buzzing of everybody in the stadium making the same sound at once. You know, they, they, might, they probably don't know how to handle that thought process and how to, how to slow the game down at that point. So I think experience plays in, in that factor. But um, I just think overall the way they've handled them this year, I think the Strohs did pretty good handling the White Sox this year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah. So I think yeah, they, I, they've got that. They've got the track record as well. So I think mm-hmm. a lot of things play into that and starting the series here at home, I think, just gives them that much more of an advantage. Yeah. And, and then also, you know, the thing that we talked with Ben Verlander yesterday about is the Astros have faced every raucous crowd imaginable this year. Yep. I mean, Des and I went to the series when they played uh, a midweek set against uh, Col- the, the Colorado State. Rockies. We sat through the snow game. And there are jackasses screaming at the Astros and Carlos Correa and, and Alex Bregman about being cheaters and this and that. And we're like, you guys are Rockies fans. I mean, who hurts you? <laughs> Brother, wow. my, first, my first game in the big leagues this year was at Dodger Stadium. Oh, oh God. The, oh. D-back, the, the D-backs called me up for a game for a, the game three of a three-game set night game in Dodger Stadium. I'm like, are you kidding me? You couldn't wait one more damn day to call me up? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was because, and, and I think it was like a Thursday or some from Thursday night. But that place was—I've never had a whole stadium from foul pole to plate to foul pole going cheater the whole time. Is that, so does was, that it, it fire you up? Yeah, as that's what I was gonna, like. Use it as juice. That's What's, what I was going to ask. Yeah. No, you know what? It doesn't even bother me because I didn't do anything. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. That's um. That's another thing. And they're yeah. and, they're, and, they're, and they're and they're all hypocrites because we oh, all look for at. Sure. I mean, they're hypocrites because, you know, there, there's been things that the, that the Dodgers have done plenty of times more than what we have done, what we yeah. did. Um, you know, it, it, you know, that's the thing. A lot of people don't realize that other teams have done stuff and they just don't bring it out. And they haven't – the only reason they haven't gotten caught is because they don't get told on. Yeah, right. They don't have a snitch. That's... And, you know, and, and it's even more hypocritical because you have three players on that team who are on the 2018 Red Sox when they got caught cheating with an Apple Watch. Yeah. That's but you, you and you're cheering and you're, and you're and you're praising you're praising one of the best players in baseball who was on that team. But yeah, you're calling me a cheater and I didn't even use the damn thing. And there's reports saying I didn't use it. Yeah, yeah. our guy Tony was the one Tony, that walked yeah. it all. Yeah, and yeah. it shows that you did it. I've told so we, them. I've told them. We had uh, we had Evan Gaddis on with our guy George, who runs our Astros uh, Stros across the globe. He's over in the in the UK. And Evan really gave us a lot of insight uh, on stuff like that. And he kind of alluded to the same thing that we've already pretty much known, but you just said it. There were other teams that were doing either similar things or more in depth, less in depth, but some kind of trying to find. And and I've I've said this sport. You got to find an edge. You have got, if you're not trying to find a competitive advantage in the game of baseball, then what the hell are you doing? Because I, I went to a guys, small st- st- stealing signs. Stealing signs has been in the game for too long for anybody yeah. to even think of. It's just a matter of how they're getting them and how they're relaying them. Right. 
Right. We, we did it in college. We had bullpen guys that would come into our dugout and they would sit together as a team and they would try to pick the third base signs <clears throat> or the, the guys in the dugout, whatever it was. And we had a system that we used. And that was small time college baseball. You mean to tell me that these guys at the big league level with all the analytics, all the cameras, all of, of every piece of technology at their fingertips and you're not trying to do some stuff? Come on now. Like, that's just such bullshit. We, we all know we all know there were guys in college that had one job every day that was to watch the coach sitting and on the ball bucket, give him the, the bucket, pick him up. That's it. Exactly. Exactly. What is yeah. uh, What is this? Yeah. What, what's right. he starting with? Find what's the he finishing with? Right. Yeah. Exactly. By, by, by the second day of a three-game set, you already know what's – Hey, yeah. Hey, let's yeah. go, Josh. Here we go. Let's go. Number yeah. You know, yeah. You had first name, last yeah. name, whatever, you know. Come on, Red. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, fastball. Yeah. Got it. Hell, yep. yeah. Yeah. I got to ask about the Speedo. I know we're running out of time. Uh, is that, was that you? Did you, did we lose a bet? Is that something that's just. Oh, that, that was all me. You know, it's funny is I actually had that in 2016. And I was, I would just wear it around the clubhouse for shits and giggles in Oakland. <laughs> yeah. Um, And then when I got traded to the Dodgers, ironically, I wore it for, um, all of our celebrations there, but obviously not as much traction there because you had way cooler guys that got interviewed out the trade, you know, actually blah, blah, blah. So um, I just hung out in the corner with it and because it wasn't, you know, I wasn't a big, big player on that team as other people were. But um, but when it came around to, to, to the Strohs, I just, it was just an impulse thing. I just kind oh, of, yeah. I had it in my locker. I wore it a couple of times and then, I think I probably looked at some guys and said, what if I put the Speedo on? And I'm sure they said, you won't. And I said, well, you don't know me enough. <laughs> Heck with it. And it, became, and it became a hot item. So it was, it was pretty, pretty fantastic. What, um, what about, uh, what about the, uh, cause you know, when I was in, so that was the coolest thing about, you know, my sports reporter job was with 790 was getting to be in y'all's clubhouse for those locker room celebrations from 2018 and 2019. And there were some times where I literally would interview you um, and you were in like some leotard looking, is it a Goku? Is that what it was? Like the Goku? Yeah, my, my Goku, my, my Goku, um, it's a wrestling sling, singlet. Yeah, yeah. Oh. So I would see you in that. And then you always had the uh, the wooden bat uh, cup thing or whatever, yeah, mug. Lumber, or, or... The Lumberland, the Lumberland people. What, what would you have in there? Just beer? Uh, I don't drink little... beer. I don't, okay. I don't drink beer. The only time I drink beer is when we celebrate, so. Um, I think it's the, one of the most disgusting things to drink on the planet, no matter what brand it is. Um, but vodka, vodka Red Bull. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. I would have, yeah. you, you being from the South, I would have said bourbon or whiskey, you know, or a little bourbon, you know, or whatever. I, yeah. I, I, I experienced in everything alcohol in my, my, my 20s, my early to late, early to mid 20s, I would say I probably got pretty wild. Um, not that I was an alcoholic, but when I went out, I have been drunk on a lot of different things. And I got tired of throwing up other stuff that tasted horribly yeah. coming back up. Yeah. So I kind of eliminated a lot of stuff. So now I'm usually um, Tito's vodka. Yeah. Uh, the Vouv Clicquois champagne. I love the champagne. Heck yeah. And then every now and then, I, I, my, one of my big go-tos was an old, was Di Serrano. It was an Italian liqueur. Oh, yeah. 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 Like an almond liqueur. And you mix that with Coke. And it tastes just like a, a cherry Coke. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. And then, and then one, one last thing on the, uh, you know, on just on the, you know, advantage in baseball, there was a report that came out, you know, you were in that uh, leotard or, or the wrestling thing. Uh, and there was a picture supposedly of, of you, 
you you having a buzzer yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but it, it was literally a, a piece of confetti and i'm that, not gonna say the sports media group that, <laughs> that ran with that stupid fucking story but man i gotta ask you about it i mean yeah you're, for sure. you're fresh out of the clubhouse you're getting interviewed on the field confetti's falling confetti sticks to your sweaty you body champagne baby <laughs> we're chilling we're vibing, we're vibing. Just, yeah yeah you know um just vibes man and, and then this this dumbass in his mom's basement runs this story yep. helps him catch clout honestly and uh and, and they ran with it and, and yep. honestly it caught fire with national media and, and national media even ran with it so just like I, yeah, like, I Carl, mean, like carlos beltran's niece Yes. yes, there's that too. There's that as well. I mean, um, just the the stupid shit, man. But just how I mean, obviously, you guys as players try to block out things, but at the end of the day, we're all human. So you, I know you saw it and you see it, right? So just what's what's your take on that whole the the just the just the dumbassery of all that? Well, you know, I pop, my wife and I had a blast with that because we popped off on so many fans after the season was over about that on Twitter and Instagram. But you know what's funny is. Um, yeah, I, I wear this necklace. It's actually a new necklace now. It's a rope necklace now, not a chain. It was a gold chain of my kids' names on it. <clears throat> so that's what that was. And, I, and it was a piece of confetti, obviously. And, you know, all kinds of factors play into that. You know, it's like, one, if I was wearing a buzzer, do you think I'd be stupid enough to not take it off where I came back out on the field? Yeah, exactly. Which I wasn't. I wasn't wearing one anyway. And I said, yeah, it's a piece of confetti. Your team wouldn't know what that was like if y'all were any good. <laughs> but that's all that was so yeah like and, and the whole Altuve thing I said guys if he had one he did a damn good job of keeping away from everybody but knowing how old Altuve is there's no way yeah and the reason the reasons that came out was his dumb his ugly tattoo no undershirt like everything he said was true because his wife doesn't like it. she hates his tattoo she's like I don't want everybody seeing you with your shirt off which we are which if, if we're married we all gotta oblige to hey. our wives say don't we oh, yeah. happy wife happy life Happy wife, happy exactly. life. Damn right, yeah. So I think that that's literally all it was. It's like he ripped it off one time, or we ripped it off, and they didn't. She didn't like it, so that's what he was doing. He was making sure we didn't rip it off. And if I was him, I probably wouldn't want the jersey I just walked off to go to the World Series getting ripped either. I want that thing ready to be framed in twenty minutes. Hell yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a shit show because then you know, it was funny. My favorite part of that whole scene was me on the field. Is if you don't remember, I had a cigar in my hand. Yeah. And I was with David Ortiz, and I can't remember who was on the field. Was on the field, and then A Rod was Frank on. Thomas. Remember, yeah, Frank Thomas. It might, have, it might have been Frank. So, if you remember the earlier in the series, they both said that they've got they had the Yankees beating them or something, or the I can't remember who it was. They was like, go ahead and so go ahead and light the cigars or something. It was a cigar reference to earlier in the series, and I said, and I got out there. I said, hey guys, I just want to let you know. There's no smoking for you two in my house. <laughs> <laughs> and let that out. So um, me and Dip, obviously me and Dip Poppy go way back to my Red Sox days, but yeah. um, I just thought that was a great little jab from that whole scenario. That's what's the we're wrapping up. What's the craziest thing you've heard out in the outfield and right field? I'm not saying like you know the FUs and the beer throws, like okay. just something that stops you in your tracks, like oh shit. Um, the one thing that's really really probably makes me think about it and it's i hate to give them credit because i hate going there just for the simple fact of the stuff they say and the age range they say it um but my first weekend ever so it's probably my first weekend in the big leagues of my career so oh nine i'm in red Sox, and we're in yankee stadium i'm playing left field and as we all know with my last name there's plenty of creation there 
Well, from the sixth on, it was like they were going to – it was Josh sucks. Oh, yeah. Oh. You know, Space out your name. Yeah. Which, which I've heard before, which I've heard before. But the next inning, it was red dick, blue ball. Oh. And they started clapping like crazy. And I couldn't do nothing but stop and laugh because yeah. I've never heard I – mean, I really literally had never heard that one before. And I haven't heard it to this day since. So I, that's probably one of the ones that really do stand out. Yeah. Wow. Damn. And, and then yeah. I did see – so that's that's one of the other uh, things that I love about seeing you on Twitter, and especially with your wife too, is you guys clap back at people. And I think that's that's oh, always yeah. that's always kind of my fear is I was – I was uh, and I'll say it, I was very, very critical of Miles Straw early in the season. <laughs> and my worst fear was like, oh, my God, I, I'm not a big league player. I probably shouldn't be talking out of my ass. But um, I, my worst fear is, like, he's going to clap back at me, and then everyone's going to shit on me. <laughs> Didn't happen, thankfully. Um, and, I'm, and I'm glad Miles right. got, got out from, you know, over to Cleveland. He played well in Cleveland. He, he kind of turned around uh, his season, so good for Miles Straw. He, he shut me up, finally. But there was some stuff that I saw on the timeline, I think it was last week, where I think he did a Q&A or, or something like Ask Red or something like that. Yep. And someone tried to say that you were lying about people throwing beer on you or a beer bottle at you or a yeah, beer can yeah. in, in Yankee Stadium playing right field. There's pictures of it. There is. There's like right. literal There's legit photos. pictures and you can make out, you can make out the blue mountains on the Coors Light Bottle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I told him, you know, that the biggest concern is I don't care if you throw it at me, you know, but these things are flying from the second, third deck of Yankee Stadium. They're coming in hot. And, and you know, well, not only that, they're not empty. Right. They're not all empty. So, like, and, you know, not everybody has a good arm, as we've yeah. seen people try to throw baseballs back. You know, and all it takes is a slippery throw, and you hit a damn five-year-old in the head with a half-full beer, and you got brain damage. For sure. Like, that's the biggest concern is, oh, there's, like, little kid safety. I don't care if you had the 40-year-old man down there yelling F you to me. Yeah. I'm worried about the five-year-old kid who's just hanging out enjoying the game with his dad. Right. Right. But good, yeah, we people, all know Yankees fans. They don't give a shit. Yeah. And they're yeah, on the they couch. Don't, they don't, they don't they're give a the shit They're on the couch now. Yeah. Did you watch the game last night? No, you know, be honest, I don't really watch much baseball unless I'm playing. Wow. Which is might be might be bad, but I've, I every time my team gets eliminated or done from the playoffs, I don't I don't watch baseball. Yeah. I mean, Garrett it's like any it's any other job, right? Like I'm not gonna go if I'm an accountant, I'm not gonna watch other accountants do work. You know, I did I did my stuff. It is, you know, and I obviously I check the Twitter feed and everything. I keep up with it that way, but I, I'm not sitting down and watching the, the baseball game at all. Not, nor not that I want to, but I can't really do that. I have two year two two year old twins that don't go to bed till eleven o'clock, so I'm I'm pretty busy most of the day anyway. Yeah, Garrett we Cole did, uh, lasted. Uh, Garrett Cole only lasted two innings. I did, I did see that. Yeah. He, he did not do the job for a forty million dollar pitcher. We did. Uh... We did this last thing uh, this past couple of weeks. We did uh, got in the cages. We took some of the content guys to hit off 100 miles an hour. Uh, the machine, we put the jug machine up and, and, and put that bad boy going. And it, I mean, we play college ball. I saw 105 years ago. I, I haven't saw, seen competitive pitching, right? But I couldn't tell you, Red, how many people were like, oh, my God, it's that fast? I was yeah, like, the, yeah, no shit, it's that fast. These guys have seen this. It's 100. <laughs> Yeah, so we saw so what we so the, the cages that we went to, the, the pitching machine was like between 43 and 45 feet away, and we cranked it up to 80. So that's the equivalent of like 102. And we yeah. looked, I mean, 
me and Dez and another guy made it to the finals. I won it, by the way. Uh, I have a championship belt. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, we like, seriously, people commented on our, our YouTube video and our Twitter video about, like, wow, we see these Apollo guys not being able to swing. Man, is it really that fast? Like, no <laughs> shit. Yeah, these guys face us every day. Go out in your car. Go out in your car and go 100 and look out the side window, and we'll tell you how fast it is. Yeah. Josh, thanks so much, bro. Um, yeah. Thanks for taking all the time with us today and uh, hopefully we get you on soon again and maybe some, shoot some content this off season. Yeah. You know, hang out. Yeah. If, if you have some free time this off season and you're here in Houston and if you want to come hang out with us as we do our next baseball challenge, it'll be some kind of fielding drill, you know, let us know. We'd love to have you out, man. We'll get you some merch right. and uh, oh, yeah, some Tito's I'm... vodka and stuff like that. For sure. Yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm, I live out in Crosby full time. So we're here. Hell yeah. Oh, cool. Good deal. Well, Josh, man, again, thank you yeah. so much for joining us, man. Uh, ha have a happy weekend with your with your twin boys and uh, happy birthday to them, man. Thank you for the time. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. This is a blast. Awesome, Josh. That's Josh Reddick uh, joining us on Beyond the Diamond podcast. That's going to do it. Uh, Astros take on the Chicago White Sox tomorrow, Thursday in game one of the ALDS. Special thanks to Josh Reddick. Des, you got anything before we get out of here? Nothing. Just love you guys. Good, good, good deal. Again, thanks to Josh Reddick. That's going to do it for ne until next time. We'll see you guys later. Peace.